Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Well, Happy New Year. Hey, I wanted to um, just uh, invite us all just to pause for a moment. I think it's always good to just reflect back on the past year. You know, Pastor Ernie said, uh, man, I hope this year's better than the previous year. I said that about 2021. I don't think 2022 felt a whole lot better. But I do know that God is always in control. And if we look to him, no matter what the year brings, no matter what happens, it'll always be better. Amen. You know, New Year's Eve comes and New Year's Day happens, and one of the things that we often think about is the newness of a year. Sometimes it's a fresh start. It is the most popular time of the entire year for fitness equipment. So fitness equipment is sold like crazy right now. It usually ends up having a lot of clothes and stuff hang from it eventually, sometimes rather quickly. Um, dieting takes place more this time than any other time. But then also people just, they sometimes, we set goals for this year. I want to do things different. Maybe there's, maybe it's a great goal. Maybe you want to read the Bible more than you did last year. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe you want to help others out. Maybe you want to, you know, serve in church in a different capacity. All those are good things. I wanted to uh, talk about what, what will be some of the first things that happen to us in the new year that are different than the previous year. Sometimes we don't know what those are. My dad, my dad worked three jobs most all of his life, and he, uh, he worked a good year, and then he was also an auto mechanic. And later in life, versus the gas station that he used to own, he started just doing mechanical work out of the house. So one, one Saturday morning, I'm out there with him, and he's working on an old Jeep. And it was an old, nasty Jeep, and he couldn't get it to start. And he's trying to get the carburetor to kick over and get the gas to take. And literally, he is sitting in the Jeep right there, and I'm standing right beside him. And all of a sudden, the Jeep finally starts up in reverse. And the tires start spinning, and he goes right into the garage door and smashes the garage door. He pulls forward, and my father had a really bad temper at times, especially until he found the Lord later in life. And I'm just kind of standing there still in shock, and I'm kind of looking, and he goes, well, that's a first. <laughs> I'm like, indeed, it was a first. And I was glad that that's all that happened at that moment. And the Jeep was so beat up, he go, I go, well, how's the Jeep? He goes, Jeep's fine. He goes, by ruin my garage door. We don't know what today will bring. We don't know what will be first. But last week when I spoke, I talked a little bit about Jesus' first miracle. His very first public miracle. And it's a little bit different when we think about it. You know, when you think about it, you're like, the very first miracle that Jesus performs on earth that's recorded in the Bible is turning water into wine. It's just different, isn't it? When, you, when I think about it, I'm like, if I'm writing the story and if I'm playing it out, I'm like, oh, first miracle, but like, 
I'm going to raise somebody from the dead. Let's make that happen. Let's get everybody's attention. Let's make it good. How about the lame to walk, the blind to see, all those miracles that Jesus actually did. But that wasn't his first one. But there's significance and there's beauty in this miracle. And I want us to study that a little bit today. So if you would, turn your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, this is our first service together in the new year. It's our first time that we're praying together before a message. And uh, Lord, we come before you. And what, what better way to start out the new year by taking time to study your word, find out more about what you have for us, whether we're here today present or whether we're watching online or we're watching this later, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, give us a greater understanding of this mighty miracle that you performed many years ago and the significance that it means for all of us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, John chapter two, starting at verse one, it says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. At face value, this almost seems kind of petty, doesn't it? But let, let me give you a little bit of background. The Jewish wedding ceremony was everything. It was a big, huge deal. People didn't, uh, they didn't travel a lot. It's not like they said, hey, where are you, going? Where are you guys going this, uh, this spring? You guys going to Disney World? Huh? You going to Disney? No. No, we don't know what Disney is. What's that? They didn't travel a lot. They didn't have um, bowl games to watch on New Year's Day. They couldn't watch Ohio State win, which was awesome. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, Activities weren't like they are today. So the wedding ceremony in Jewish biblical times was it. It was a big deal. Everybody, all the family, everybody in the community, sometimes the whole town would come to a wedding. And the wedding ceremony wasn't, hey, let's just go to the wedding. Are you guys staying for the reception? Everybody stayed for the reception, and it lasted Seven days. Seven days. It was a big deal. And most all the close family and friends, they would stay there. So you would plan for this wedding for a year. You would save for it. People would travel in. And one of the things that you wanted to make sure was that you had plenty of food and plenty of drink so that as people were here celebrating this beautiful moment that they just were taken care of and they could just enjoy themselves. So when the mother of Jesus, when Mary came to him and she says, they don't have any wine. There's, there's a lot to it. It's at face value, it doesn't seem like much, but Mary must have been very involved with this wedding. 
I feel like she was probably one of the closest friends of the groom's side or the bride's side. I feel like maybe she was a close relative, but Mary was very involved. How many of you have ever helped with a family or a friend's wedding? There's a lot going on. And I think Mary was really, really involved with the wedding ceremony. And so she came to Jesus and said, they don't have any wine. All right, before we read on this story and talk a little bit about it, we're going to go way back some probably 4,000 years. So keep your finger in John chapter 2, and let's turn to Exodus, second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 7. And we're going to read about a connection because there's so much more to this story than meets the eye. I don't want you guys to miss it. So Moses had told Pharaoh that he's going to save people. If it goes out again, I'll switch. I hate holding this mic when I preach. It's okay. God's got this. All right, so Moses had went to Pharaoh, and he said the famous saying, let my people go, right? And uh, Pharaoh doesn't want to do it. So one of the similarities here that I want you guys to pick up on is when Moses, when we pick up this story, this is Moses' probably his first major miracle that God performed through him. The first one, similar to what Jesus, is, he, his turning the water into wine was his first public miracle. So let's pick this up. Exodus chapter 7 verses 14 through 20 says, so the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning and when he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent, you shall take in your hand, and you, will, you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. And the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spake to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and he struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. One of the things that I want to challenge you on is always look for the beauty of God's design. The Old Testament, the story of Moses, is knit so much through the life of Jesus. 
It's a precursor to Jesus. And, it, and there's so much that we often miss. So picture what God did. Just like we learned over the holidays, over Christmas time, how Mary and Joseph had to flee for the baby Jesus's life because King Herod wanted to have all the little babies, two years old and younger, killed. The same thing happened to Moses. The same thing happened to Moses. Pharaoh became so afraid of the Hebrew nation, of the people of God, that he said, they're going to overtake us someday. And he tried a lot of different things. And finally, he just said, any baby boy that is born, I want them thrown into the Nile River. Talk about evil, dark leader. That's what the people of Israel were living under at this point. So Moses' mother hid him for a period of a few months. And finally, it got to the point to where she realizes she can't hide the baby anymore. And she puts Moses in basically a, a little like raft. I think she bought it at Walmart, except it was made out of reeds. And she lets it go in the river. And, and Moses' sister watches from a distance. And we know that Pharaoh's daughter finds baby Moses and takes him in. Similar story. How Jesus saved Moses. God saved Moses just as the Lord was led out of Bethlehem and went to Egypt for safety. Isn't that, isn't that a neat connection? So Moses goes down to the river because he knows Pharaoh is going to come to the river the same river that he was rescued from. And he tells Moses, I'm going, God is going to turn the water into blood. Going to turn it into blood. And not only the river, but the ponds, and even the pots and pans that were in the people's homes was turned to blood. One of the connections, one of the uh, scholars that I was reading, biblical scholars, made a suggestion that in Moses' story, Moses' time was the time of law. And so there was a time of judgment. So the water, which brought life to all the Egyptians because of judgment, became blood. Okay, so keep that in mind. Now let's go back to John and pick up the miracle that Jesus did here. John chapter 2. So Mary tells Jesus, we have no wine. And again, it's not like it's a casual thing. This is a big deal. This would be the biggest embarrassment on a family that could take place. You've got people in from out of town. You've got place, the place is full. It's a time of celebration and there's no wine. It was a big deal. And Mary was close to this family. And so she says to Jesus, they have no wine. Verse four, especially when we read it in the King James, it sounds a little rough, but we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Time means something. It's a new year, new hour, new prayer, new time. A new time and the first time for a miracle that Jesus performs. Woman, if, if I, in my house, and was home with Lori, and I used the term woman, 
I would maybe need to duck if she was in the kitchen to make sure something wasn't thrown at me. So don't look at it for what it sounds in face value. This in the Greek text was actually an affectionate thing. I, I even like the one word because it makes me think of um, England and it's kind of my lady, my mom. It was, it, was, it was a sweet thing. So she explains it and he's like basically, mom, my time to perform a miracle or let people see who I really am, my hour hasn't come. Not yet. But here's, here's the beauty of it. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loves us. And even though maybe this wasn't the timing that Jesus thought he was going to start his ministry, his mission on earth is to save people from their sins. It's the whole reason. He came to be the greatest gift ever and to save people from their sins. And yet, we find Jesus at a wedding. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, last week we talked a little bit about serious moments of life and how Jesus is in those serious moments. And sometimes, especially over the years, I've seen a lot of Christians miss out not putting Jesus in those moments of great joy in those moments of celebration, in those moments of a, a wedding party. Jesus was beginning the greatest mission that's ever happened on earth, and yet he's kicking it with his disciples at a wedding, right? Don't miss that. So he says, my hour has not yet come. Remember the influence that you have through the power of prayer. Remember that Jesus loves you. No matter what's going on, he loves you. And sometimes just by asking, Lord, I need you. I need you. Do you to think about that Mary's request changed the timing of Almighty God. Isn't that amazing? We have that same ability sometimes, but we have to be careful about it. We all have, I think Jesus' example, when he prayed that this cup would pass in the garden, he's like, I really don't want to be crucified. I pray that there was another way, God, but nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. We don't want to force our situation out of God's will, but know that we can influence him. Let's read on. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there, were set, now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. So again, this is another example of Mary was so close that I think even the servants or the people serving at this wedding, they knew that she had some authority. She was probably close to the family. I remember once I'm at my nephew's wedding and I wanted to say something that was funny. In my mind, it was very funny. And I went to the DJ and I said, hey, when, can you say blah, blah, blah? And I don't even remember what it was. And I remember the DJ looked at me like, mm, no. I'm like, oh, I'm so close to my nephew. They love me. They would think this is funny. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm not doing that. 
And I remember walking away, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a worm. I don't mean anything to this. But you know what? He's just doing his job. He doesn't know me. He doesn't even know that the family would find this funny, right? Mary was close enough. She was in a position of authority in this wedding that she was so involved that when she said to the servants, whatever Jesus tells you to do, go ahead and do it. And they did, unlike the DJ who ignored my request. Um, there's, there's some really cool significance here. It says, now there were six water pots of stone, not clay, stone. These were carved out according to the manner of purification of the Jews. So what these pots were here for the cleansing, the purification so when you came into the wedding party and you were out and whatever you did and you were traveling and you, your hands were dirty or maybe even your feet were dirty, these jars would pour out and they would cleanse you. Do you, see, do you see some significance there? This is much more than just the miracle we see at face value. These same pots, Jesus is now turning into wine. And he tells them, he says, take it basically to the master of ceremonies. This would be like the wedding planner, okay? So this would be like the person who's in charge of, you got that one person, if something goes wrong or something needs to be scheduled, this is their specialty, they've got it. Hey, the cake isn't here yet, no problem. We'll change some things around, we'll work it out. So they, Jesus says, take a sample of this, to, to this person. And this, I have a feeling that this master of ceremonies probably did this for all the weddings in the area. Was probably a specialist at it. All right, let's read on. And he said to them, draw, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom in. If you're the servant and you just saw that those jars were full of water and now you're going to take it to who's in charge of the wedding, would you kind of hesitate for a minute? You're like, he's going to go, this is water. <laughs> what are you doing? And so they had to have followed through and they took it to him. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. So when it starts, you give people the very best right from the beginning. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior... You have kept the good wine, though, until now. So basically he said, you always give the best first, but you've brought the best out now. And if Jesus made this wine, I can promise you, it's the best wine he's ever tasted, ever And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out a good wine. And when the guests have well drunk the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. 
After this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. The part there that says, and the disciples believed in him, it, it's not like they didn't believe in him before. They're following Jesus. They're his disciples. But this moment, this miracle that they watched before their eyes caused their belief to deepen. And they began to see he can do a lot of amazing things. And it changed everything. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verse 10. When I say sometimes that this miracle is so significant because we've seen what Moses did by turning, God used it to turn the water into blood. Now we see Jesus being grace, not law, not judgment, but grace. And we go to the Last Supper, and he's before the disciples, and they're all sitting together. We pick it up here at Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man, oops, sorry, I went to the wrong one. Bear with me. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, sorry, you can look up here if you want to. Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 through 28. Verse 27 says, Jesus, then he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them. And he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. See the water turning into wine, and now Jesus is the last supper. And now his hour has come that he's going to lay down his life for us. And it says, this cup is the new promise, it's the new covenant. And this blood is what you're gonna remember when you drink it from this point on. And it's what we take communion from today. See the significance, those cleansing vessels that were used at the wedding, which were poured out to wash people's hands and cleanse them. We now have the illustration, and it's not by accident, of Jesus' blood and how Jesus' blood is going to be shed on the cross and it's gonna be poured out and it's gonna cleanse our sins. That miracle was very significant. It meant so much more than what we think about at face value. Praise team, if you want to come on up here. Then the final verse, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke chapter 19, 10, Jesus says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The whole point of this miracle was so much more than just turning water into wine. It is an example that Jesus was gonna pour out his blood and that he was gonna use his blood under grace to cleanse all of our sins so that we 
can experience the greatest miracle that we could ever experience. You know, Pharaoh, in all his greatness, Egypt was one of the most powerful nations that's ever been on this earth. You can still go today there and look at the pyramids. You can see the different things, all the power. Do you know what miracle? Pharaoh probably didn't get to experience. He didn't get to experience the forgiveness and the cleansing of Jesus' blood. That miracle exists for all of us today when we call upon the name of the Lord. Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're listening today or watching online where your thoughts are. So often in life, we want to fill our lives up with what the world has to offer. We have this idea sometimes, well, life with Jesus is going to be restrictive. It's going to be boring. It's going to have rules. It's going to have limitations to it. And I really don't want to do that. I, I want to drink of the other things that the world has to provide. Nothing will ever taste as sweet. Nothing will ever change your life by tasting the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. Lord, I, I admit when I look at your first miracle, I've sometimes paused and go, it's just, that's different. Well, that's new. <laughs> it's not exactly maybe what I would have done. But Lord, when we look at your word as a whole and we see the connections between Moses and we look to know and understand how important it was at a wedding for, for Mary and for the family that she loved and cared for. But Lord, then we look and understand from your word that this was an example of your blood and the cleansing power Father, on the cross it says that they went to break the legs of the other two that were crucified with you. But when they came to you, that it appeared that you had already passed. And so a soldier pierced your side. And it says that out ran water and blood. And that blood was shed for you and me and the power of that blood if we accept and believe and say Lord Jesus I know you died for me I know you love me I know the whole part the whole plan of your mission was to seek and to save those who are lost so that they might experience life and life more abundant life eternally with you. Father, if someone today hasn't tasted yet, if they haven't paused long enough and they've still been trying to take in some of the things the world has to offer and they've found that it just leaves them wanting and leaves them empty, may they find you today. 
may they come and taste and see that you are good. Father, I pray that today, if someone doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would come to you. They would ask you into their heart. They'd ask to be covered in the forgiveness of your blood, and that they might have the hope of eternity. Lord, if there's someone here today, they've just been struggling. They've just been kind of trying to fill their life up with the things the world has to offer, and they're missing out on the good stuff. God, we know that there's no sinner that's too far. They're, you're just waiting for them to just say, Lord, I want to come home. I want to come home. I want to walk close with you so that I can experience your help along the way. Lord, I need you. We pray these things. Ask them together in Jesus' name. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life if you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life and you died on the cross, and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.